have in my hand the powerful Word of God. can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. I look at your neighbor and tell him, you look absolutely wonderful today. <laughs> of those Bibles that you held up, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 17. That's where we'll be here as we go through this morning. Concluding our series of messages, Forgotten Virtues, today, we've talked about the forgotten virtue of honor, who the Bible says that we should show honor to, and the second uh, virtue that we talked about was purity, and how important that is. The third virtue that we mentioned was loyalty, and then last week we dealt with the forgotten virtue of integrity, and today I think probably the most important virtue of all that seems to be missing more than anything in our culture today is this fifth forgotten virtue. And uh, let me give you an example. A Boston consultant was, who was working with a bunch of college graduates, he took all of these college graduates and said that everybody in the workforce today, there is one word that they use to describe this emerging generation into the workforce. And it begins with the word E. He said of all these recent graduates, and, and to these recent graduates, he says, what do you think is the one word that so many people use to describe you that starts with the letter E? All these young hopefuls started shooting out. Energetic. Excellent. And all through these different names, they shout it out and they really describe their positive behaviors. In fact, another word, exceptional, came up. But after it was time had passed and different E words had been thrown out, the consultant looked at them and he said, actually, the number one most commonly used word to describe this generation as they move into the workforce is the word entitled entitled in fact the millennials are labeled as the entitled generation those who feel everyone owes them and they deserve it and they not only deserve it but they deserve it now and they deserve more now before we get too carried away and we in the older generation say yeah boy you never said it better preacher preach it preach it we need to discover who taught them to be entitled. Who showed them the way? Well, it's people my age and older. We showed them the way. It's very typical of people my age. They worked way too much. Often families ended in divorce. They loved their kids. They tried to make up for their lack of time by... Never saying no. I hear you can have this, you can have that. I'll make more money and we'll give, we'll give you more. So this younger generation has just grown up feeling like, hey, if I want it, we're going to get it. And then we also protected 
that upcoming generation. Can any of you remember when you were a kid? I know when I was a kid, you could ride in the back of a pickup truck. You could pack 18, 20 people in there. Any of you remember those days? It's against the law now. You can't put one back there. Usually you get in the car and didn't really have to get strapped in. Now you've got nine belts, four harnesses, and whatever else it is. I mean, that kid's not going nowhere. <laughs> if that car flips a hundred times, that kid's not moving. It's crazy, isn't it? Get on a bicycle. You can't get on a bicycle without a helmet. Have you ever looked at the flimsy bicycle helmets that they wear? To me, it looks pretty flimsy. I don't know. How, how's that little strap keep it on when they hit, the, hit their head on the ground? But it does, I guess, protect their head on the initial hit, doesn't it? But the ensuing hits, I don't know if that would do any good. I like the commercial where the mom says, okay, son, go out and play. And he's, I mean, he's loaded down like this. He's got a football helmet on, shoulder pads. He's got chest protector. He's got thigh pads on. He's got, he's got the, the shin guards. He, you know, he's like this, and he's going out to play, right? Got to protect them. And we've decided to do that. Remember when you were a kid that you had to actually win something to get a ribbon? Nowadays, you just show up. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, you ran so slow and you came in last, but man, you ran slow. Wow. Here's a ribbon. Now, it would be like me running against Braden and me getting the same ribbon that he gets. I mean, he would have already finished the race, eaten dinner, taken a shower, and then I would show up. But I get the same thing he gets. How do you think he's going to feel? Robbed. But you see, I'm entitled. And we are teaching that to our kids. My family gave me an iPad for Christmas, and you know I use it to preach with on most Sundays. And uh, I occasionally eat down at Hugo's for breakfast. And I'll take my iPad because it really helps me because I can get over in a corner and it, it takes my portability and makes it so much nicer. I can do a lot of study and it's not bulky and all that like a laptop. And I can do my reading and my study and it's, it's great. But McDonald's has free Wi-Fi and they're across the street. The signal still gets over to Hugo's and that's awesome. But what I discovered is when I, when I go to download my email, what I'm used to happening instantly took about three seconds to download. And I really wanted to walk across the street and tell McDonald's what I thought about their, their, their strength of signal on that, on that Wi-Fi. You get my point. <laughs> See, we think we're entitled, don't we? And it's amazing. It's amazing how we carry on. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about the opposite of entitlement, and that's that spirit, that virtue, forgotten virtue of gratitude. Of gratitude. Could everybody say that for me? Gratitude. Yes. Say it one more time. Gratitude. Boy, that sounds good. We want to see what the Bible says about it. Very interesting story in, in Luke chapter 17. I hope you're there. We're going to pick it up at verse 11. Great story. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, now let me pause here for a minute and, and, and try to draw you into the story here and get you some context. A leper 
If you had leprosy, it was one of the most painful diseases that you could have. I mean, you've seen pictures. Big sores, they ooze, and it's really ugly. The, the sickness causes nerve endings to not work, and uh, people can cut themselves. They can have, uh, if they're sleeping out in the, in the streets where lepers would oftentimes sleep, the varmints could be uh, making a meal off of them, and they'd never know it until it was too late. It was physically a bad thing, and in fact, in, fact, in Leviticus 13, it not only was physically painful, but it became emotionally painful, because in Leviticus, they were told that if they had leprosy, and you were walking toward them, they, the leper, had to yell out to you, leprosy, leprosy, so that you could avoid them, and you could walk away from them, and they were always by themselves, as they would yell unclean and unclean. Can you imagine how humiliating that had to be? How they felt. No intimacy. No closeness to family. Any family gathering, they had to stay away because they could infect others with this dreaded disease. They had not been hugged and howdied for years. Now, can you imagine that? You wouldn't even come to church here longer if I quit doing hug and howdy. No, I'm just teasing. But it's a great time, isn't it, to greet people you haven't seen all week and kind of get caught up for a moment. That's always awesome. But these ten guys, they sitting across the street, and they see this man that's been rumored that can heal people, so they get pretty excited. Jesus, they say, help us. You know, it's one of those great moments in life. If you could hear, if you could heal me, man, I... I, I would want you to. They'll, they cry out. Look what the next verse says in verse 14. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Miracle, healing, disease, all gone. Their greatest dream, their most outlandish prayer had just been answered. Verse 15 says... Something very surprising. How many of them does verse 15 talk about? One. Let's take a look. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, hang on a minute. Jesus appears dumbfounded, doesn't he? He appears perplexed. You were begging, you're crying out, you're wanting healing, you're in deep distress, your life is basically worth nothing. You call out, you're just eking out a survival day by day, looking for a miracle, wanting to... Be healed. I mean, where did they go, Jesus says? What are they doing? Nine of you. I mean, they probably <coughs> weren't bad guys. They probably weren't. In fact, just the opposite. They were probably overwhelmed. I mean, they hadn't 
Can you imagine the guys that were married and had leprosy and have never even hugged their wife in years? All of a sudden can. Well, you know, I probably should say thank you, but man, I'm going to run home and hug my wife. Amen? I want to grab my kids and hug them because I haven't been around them in a long time. Should have come to them to go back. <coughs> but they had that entitlement mindset. So my question to us is, will we be the one? Will we be the one? Because truthfully, the odds are stacked against us. Will you be the one to think about it? Will you be the one that daily pauses to give glory and honor to the one who gave you life? Will you be the one to stop in all the busyness and lift up a true heartfelt worship to our Savior and Creator God? The sustainer of the universe, will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship and glory to the one who when you were a sinner sent His Son Jesus to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself and you certainly deserve the opposite of what you got from Him, are you going to be the one to come and say, Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Or are we so entitled that we think, Yeah, He deserves to have me in His kingdom. I mean, you know, after all. Do you know who I am? You ever met anybody that th thinks like that? I have. I mean, they, I've actually heard them say that phrase. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Amazing, the arrogance. But will you, be give, will you be the one? Will you be the one? And not just with God, but let's think about the people that impact you. Will you be the one that stops long enough to write a thank you note to express your gratitude to someone who impacted you? I want you to think of that person right now. And when you get through church today and you have a moment this afternoon, write them a note. Send them an email. Text a message to them. With the technology we have today, there's no excuse for you not getting a word. Here's a strange thing. Pick up a phone and call. That's a new concept. James Rhodes, I've had you praying for James. He got out of prison Friday. Talked to him yesterday by phone. It's good to hear his voice. We've talked by email for a long time. I said, how does freedom feel? He said, you, can, you, can, you cannot even imagine. You know what? I can't. I cannot imagine what it feels like to be incarcerated and behind bars for seven years of your life. He said, I ate a steak dinner Friday night. His brother took him out for a steak dinner. He said, that's the best steak I've ever eaten in my life. And it may not have been. But you see what I'm talking about? You begin to appreciate the little things when they've been taken away. Well, who can you remember? Maybe it was that Sunday school teacher years ago that was the first one to teach you about Jesus. Maybe it's that coach that stayed on you, stayed on you, stayed on you because they saw some potential in you. Well, you can ask our coaches... Well, they get all kinds of gratitude thrown at them. <laughs> uh, Brad and Bryant do the JTA little guys, first through third grade. Bryant was telling me how brutal it is. Not the dads, 
but the mothers of the children. These guys are professional coaches. They've been doing it for just a day or two. But these mothers know more than they do about how to make their child perform on the, on the field. Now, if that mom can run along with a water bottle and squirt it on that boy's face about every two minutes, well, that boy's going to produce. And, and he's like a, bubble, a bobblehead doll, you know, with a, <laughs> that helmet. Maybe they ought to not play contact football. But you know why they do that, don't you? So that they can be in the professional football league and make millions and millions of dollars. See, I'm praying for Braden to make that because he'll need a personal pastor to travel with him. <laughs> and I, I, I'm sure he would select me. Please. <laughs> Does he have the credentials to do that? Absolutely. If you've ever watched him play, you know. I like to brag on him every chance I get. I like to brag on all of our kids. Because you know it's important that we lift our kids up. But there's people. How about the, the people that work with our kids here at church? Have you taken a moment just, hey, thanks. Hey, thanks for doing that for us. Uh, Mila Stevens, she started working with our little guys. She came to me. She said, Pastor, what do you think? I, I got her and Kim together, and all of a sudden, Kim can sit out here in church for once. And Mila's back there teaching. Isn't that awesome? That's great. Kim needs to be fed, too. Peggy would say a whole lot more than you think. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's great, isn't it? And Brent and Stephanie Moore, and they come and they help, and they're, they're here. You know, say, say a word of thanks to them this morning. Even if they don't have your kids, say a word of thanks to them. Uh, thanks, Michelle, for being here today. She's never run the, the laptop for me, but she's doing it today, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But are we ungrateful or are we grateful? What's the mindset that you have? And you might say, well, you know, preacher, basically, I'm, I, I'm not ungrateful. I, 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 I'm a grateful person. Well, do you show it? Let me give you some signs of an ungrateful mindset. The first one is, I want it now. I want it now. Everybody says, I want it now. I want it when? I want it now. I find myself struggling with that mindset. Maybe it's in the way I drive. Or the way I wait for food grates on you. If you're going to a fast food place, in the drive-through is not the time for you to chit-chat with the person at the window. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Or when you get your food to rearrange it all in your car before you drive off. Why don't you pull up and park and rearrange it and let the rest of us get through there? Just, just a thought. And I can't understand why stupid people are everywhere around me everywhere I go. Have you discovered the same thing? That same attitude showed up in another story in Luke 15. Pick it up at verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. In other words, he says, I want it now. Now, this dad had worked and accumulated this estate all of his life. And this son, the upstart that he was, 
He wanted his portion right now, though he hadn't really earned it or deserved it. He wanted it right now. And usually inheritance were weighted and, and found and gotten once a person dies. But this kid wanted it now. I want it now. He had that I want it now mindset. There are people in their 20s who think they're entitled. There are people in their 20s who think they should have everything that their mom and dad has, has worked a lifetime to get. They ought to have the big house, the nice car, all those things. Because, by golly, I deserve it. By golly, it's mine. I should have it. Go work for it. Go work for it. That's a foreign concept. I have people come by here all the time that want a handout, and they'll say, oh, do you have any odd jobs I could do, preacher? And there's some weeds out here in the front. And I say, yep, I need all these weeds pulled up. About five minutes later, I go out to see if they're needing a drink of water. Long gone. Long gone. Had one call this week. Lives over at 11th and Yale. And wanted me to get in the car and drive over there and bring them food and money. I said, really? You want me to do that? Could I suggest to you that you have 90 churches between you and me? And if you're on foot, walk! I know where five of them are within a six-block radius of you! Walk! Oh, heavens, heavens, it's hot out there, preacher. Helped a guy the other day, got in my car, noticed my loose change sitting there in my little cup holder thing. First thing he said was, hey, you don't need that, do you? I looked at him, I said, well, I guess not. And two days later, he came in looking for more. First thing I said to him wasn't, hello, how are you? God bless you. I said, I'm out of money. He stayed here about two minutes and left. Well, you got anything to eat? I said, I've got non-perishable food items if you'd like some of those. He said, you might have to open a can. It's up to you. See, I'd lost my compassion. Why? Because the guy was ungrateful. He had no gratitude in his heart. It was entitled. It's been a long time, but I think my grandparents and my parents, they didn't understand this entitlement idea. And for some of you, it's going to be hard for you to understand. And I'm going to really try real hard to explain to you how it works. It's a crazy thing because here's how it works. They said, if you want it, you have to save up your money to go buy it. Any of you understand that? Any of you get that one? I know some of you are going, what? No way. If you want something, you've got to save your money to go get it. I mean, our, our mentality is, well, I want it right now. I'll just go charge it. And they, the interest rate is 94,000%. At least that's what it feels like, doesn't it? It goes on forever, doesn't it? The government is the only ones that can raise the debt ceiling and, make, and print more money. I've walked into Chase Bank a number of times and asked them to raise my debt limit. I said, look, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm defaulting on this loan, but it's no big deal. Just relax. Give me more money. They tossed me right out. How unreasonable are these people? I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. Then there's another mindset in this story. 
Let me also say, if you're in debt, other than for some kind of tragedy or health issue, it's because you've got that entitlement mindset. I want it now. Maybe I'm getting rude and in your business, but truth is what truth is. The second thing, and I want you to be real honest when you hear this, is say, is I deserve more. I want it now, and secondly, I deserve more. There was the younger brother in the story. The younger one goes off and blows the inheritance and one day wakes up and he goes, shoot, man, my servants are better. I'm an idiot. I'm going to go back home and maybe my dad will work with me and help me out here. So he comes back and, and the dad is the picture of, of God and he's waiting on the porch. He sees him coming, runs down the road, greets him, puts a robe on him, kills the fatted calf. They have a celebration and the older brother goes into a pity party. Well, I never got anything like that. I stayed here and I worked. Look at verse 29. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Someone owes me, the older brother says. I deserve better than this. I deserve more, Dad. I've watched the Trojan football team for 17 years. When you come in as a sophomore, you're like... Trash. You, you're kind of like the rookies and the professionals. You have to carry the professional's equipment. It's ugly. Then you get to be a junior and it's okay except the seniors treat you like dirt. And then you get to be a senior and you treat everybody like dirt. Amen? I would like just one year for us to change that spirit. How about if one time the juniors and seniors carry the equipment of the sophomores as a demonstration of service. Whoo! That might change the whole team concept, huh? I've watched the coaches. They're, it's all about them. Some of them. Yeah, some of them. I see it in churches, don't you? Where it's all about certain individuals in the church. Boy, you see it in every walk of life, don't you? And then you see guys like this brother who thinks he deserves more than he's been getting. He's been working. He's been slaving. See, we think about this spiritually. We say, God, look, I've been in the church. I've been, I've been faithful in church. I give my tithes. I give my offerings. God, I, I, I served at church camp when I knew I didn't want to go. I've been on mission trips. I went on ski trips. I went, on, I went to Juarez, Mexico. Ah, it's dirty. I had to eat dirt. I had to, oh, my, it was ugly. I had to hug kids that were dirty and snotty. Oh, God. Because we think we're entitled to something. And we think somehow by doing all those things, God's going to go, man, unbelievable. I mean, I've said at CIY conference for years, and I've listened to these young bucks preach, and I'm going, give me 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. I can out-preach this sucker in 10 minutes. Give me a job. Come on. But you know what? If I change my heart, and I have, and I listen to what these young preachers are preaching, well, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I wish when I was 22 and 23 and 24 that I had the depth that some of these guys are bringing to the, to the pulpit. That'd be awesome. Just ask Jack Franklin. He knew me at that age. <laughs> there was a diamond in the rough 
way back then. I hope that I've come out of the rough a little bit. But I'm telling you, it's amazing the entitlement that we think we have. Now, you've got to admit, living in Jinx and, and the kids that go to Jinx school, high school especially, they know how affluent this community is. My boys, they faced it. They said, Dad, Dad, do you know so-and-so got a new car and they turned on their 16th birthday? And I said, that's awesome, waiting for their response. I said, let me give you a quick lesson. The haves and the have-nots, which side are you on? The have-nots. I said, that's right. Because you see, you give a 16-year-old a brand new $40,000 car, you think they take care of it? Yeah. They wreck it. Oh, Dad, I need another car. But they get another one. They drive cars better than their parents drive. Why? Because they're 16. Especially if they're little Barbie doll girls. It gets ugly. Because we feel entitled. Oh, I've got to have it. Oh, it's mine. I want you to take a little test this morning. I've got some things written on your outline that you can look at. I hope you'll do this, and I hope you'll be honest. Let's see if we can expose any material or financial ungratefulness that we have in our lives. Maybe look around in your house. Are you dissatisfied with the TV you have? I mean, you can't be happy unless the TV's a certain way, right? Maybe it's your house. Don't have the right kind of countertops. My cabinets are old. In fact, one of my cabinet doors, the, the, the part where the handle is, split off of it. I don't know how to fix it, but I'm going to try to figure out how to fix it. I've got to find somebody that knows how to fix it who will help me fix it. Because if I try to fix it, it'll cost me, I should just replace the door. <laughs> but somebody knows how to fix that, it would be real easy to fix. So I'm praying for that to happen, and, and I'll find them. God will, God will lead me to them. How about your kids having to share a bedroom? Now, that's just not right, is it? Kids should never have to share a bedroom. We, we had five kids, and all of us were in one bedroom. <laughs> so there were four beds and a pallet on the floor. Guess who got the pallet on the floor? I was the baby boy. I got the pallet on the floor. But I got smart, too, because my dad had a swamp cooler air conditioner. Any of you know what that is? And it felt good because it would hit the floor and run across the wood floors. So I, I had a pallet. I couldn't, it didn't matter where I laid it. So I just laid it in the doorway to where that air would hit me and I could sleep better. It was great. While they laid in there and sweat at night. I love it. But we can't have kids sharing bedrooms. Five kids in one house and a two-bedroom house and one bathroom. Glory to God. Then when the sister came along, yeah, she's as worthless today as she was then. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if, you met, if you met her, you'd understand what I'm saying. Now, I love my sister. But things did change when she came around. Things got a little better. I walk into my closet. I look at all my clothes. 
and you join in with me, what do I say? I don't have anything to wear. And I'm surrounded by clothes. Is that us? Yeah. I've been to places where people would love to have any clothes to change into. And yet I stand in a closet, I stand in front of clothes that I have so many I can't wear them all at one time. We feel entitled. Wish I had more money. Wish I had a better job. Wish I could provide more for my kids. I, I really wish I had a better car. Wish I could take better vacations. Well, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my plastic out, and I'm going to charge it. By golly, I'm going to charge it, and we're going to go have a great time, and I don't care what it costs me, and I don't care that it's 39% interest. I don't really care. Here we go. How about relational ungratefulness? We could be sick and tired of our parents being in our business. Kids have parents that want to know where they are and why they're doing what they do, and Stupid old parents, all they'll do is they're in my business, they're in my grill. I don't like it. Well, then give them the car keys back. You didn't buy the car. Give them the cell phone back that they're paying for. You want to be on your own? Get out there, man. Knock yourself out. Well, I've got a job. I'll make my own way. Knock yourself out. You can't live with them either because they're your parents. So if they have an apartment or a house, you can't live there. You go live somewhere. While living my car is not your car. I'll call my friend and say, over there, you don't have a cell phone. What you going to do? Oh, my God. Me, 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 me. Looks like Beaker on the Muppets. Oh, my wife, I wish she was more fun. I wish she was more romantic. I wish she wasn't always with her friends and wanted to spend more time with me. I wish she'd make more food around the house. I wish she'd have a better paying job. Whatever she's not, I wish she was. And then... That works for men too, doesn't it? Girls want boyfriends. Got to have a boyfriend. Got to have a girlfriend. What do you need one for? Well, I just got to have one. Why? Because I got to have one. What for? I just need one. See, and the problem with guys, if you get a girlfriend, then she wants you to buy everything. And if you don't have a job, or if you do have a job, then you feel obligated to pay for stuff, so then you run out of money faster. And then what do you got to do? Go beg it off your mom and dad. What do they do? They tell you no. And then you get mad at them, and then you say, I'm going to leave. <laughs> ungrateful how about circumstantial ungratefulness I don't like my job don't like my house don't like my hair or my lack of I don't get any breaks call it what it is write it on your outline We need to spend time cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And how do we do that? Number one, we decide, we decide, we decide to turn blessings into praise. Turn blessings into praise. Every blessing that God gives us, we're going to turn into praise. We've got to make a conscious decision. There's a song that says that every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. It doesn't say every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns to pride. <laughs> we got to praise the Lord for it. If something good happens, just praise God. Thank Him for the parents who are so willing to give you so much. Thank those friends who want to hang out with you. 
thank that boss who hired you to work. And boy, we, we need to do more of that, don't we? Every blessing, every good thing. God is the giver of good gifts. And we ought to praise Him for it. Amen. That house you live in, it may be small, but hey, it's a great place to live. It's your house. I know you've got to mow the grass, but it's okay. Get out there and mow the grass. It's all right. And that car you have is five, six years old. It's all right. It starts when you turn it on and the AC runs cold when it's 139 degrees outside. Amen? Count a blessing. You can go to the store still and buy food, though it's getting more expensive all the time. You're still getting to pull some off the shelf and you're getting to bring it home. Some people's dogs eating better than we are, but that's all right. We praise the Lord. Amen. I got to lose weight, so I might as well cut back what I eat. Amen. My daughter-in-law made some Oreo truffles last night. Ooh, glory to God. You don't know how thankful I was. I waited till everybody left the room before I indulged myself. I didn't. I, I just took one little bite. Mm -hmm. Oreo cookie smashed up inside a big old wad of chocolate all over. Oh, glory to God. I was thankful, grateful. If there's still one there when I get home today, it's gonna be it's gonna be mine, all mine. But let's turn blessings to praise. Paul put it this way in Philippians 4, 11, when he said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yeah. I can do it all. Anything. Through God who gives me strength. Amen? Christine Murray can raise up her right arm today and have no cast on it. Hallelujah. She's ready to hit Earl again with that thing, you know. He's been on KP duty for a lot longer than he wanted to be. But as soon as they trimmed that thing off, man, his KP apron hung up. He became a grateful man. Amen? That's right. Whatever circumstance... Whether you're healthy or not, wealthy or not, got a job or not, boy, be thankful if you got a job today. Be grateful to God that He's providing that for you. And be grateful for that boss that keeps you around. Be grateful for that company that's doing well in, in terrible economic times. Be grateful for what God has done for you. I love the scripture in Ecclesiastes 6 9. It says, But what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. We need to focus on God and quit letting our eyes rove around and roam around looking for something bigger and better. Proverbs 15 says it this way, The cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better what the eye sees than a roving of the appetite. The next time, you say, I'm sick of my car, get a different perspective. Thank God that you have a car. And if you have a car, you need to remember. You need to remember and realize that you are, in the, you are one of the top 3 to 5% of the wealthiest people in the world if you have a car that you call your own. Is that amazing? 
That's amazing. Be grateful for that transportation. My house is a mess. God, I thank you that I've got a house to be messy in. God, I've got a messy family. God, I'm thankful that I've got a family that, can, that I can be messy with. We can enjoy this together. My house is too small. Be thankful that you've got a house you can be in at all. Or you could say, God, I'm just grateful that I've got a house that has a toilet and water inside. I mentioned the job. Just be thankful. Thankful for the people around you. Thankful for the parents, children that are around you. Thank you for, and you parents that are still living, your parents are living. Be thankful for them. You might say, well, I don't like this about my body. Well, change what you can and live with the rest of it. Who worry about it? Who's the expert anyway? Because what God made in you, He made beautiful. You are a beautiful person because you got God shining through your life. Thank Him not for the material things, but thank Him for Jesus Christ and all the blessings that He sends for us and the way that He transforms us and cares about us. Jeff's going to come back and lead us as he's coming. Let's pray together. God, forgive us for our ungratefulness. Have mercy on us for our spirit of entitlement. Change us, O oh Lord, from the inside out. That we would never complain when we realize the blessings that you give us beyond our, we, what we could ever imagine. God, help us to see those that truly are without so that we can have and know how much we have. God, let us be grateful not for what we have, but most of all for who we are and that we are yours. Oh God, forgive us for our ingratitude. Our, transform us. Make us anew today. God, help us to be one, not just to, be, to feel ingratitude, but one that shows it, one that gives it away. Oh God, help us turn every blessing that you pour out into praise. God, with your help, we will be the one. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a decision to make today, would you as we stand and sing together?